some bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys as the new WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions? Oh no, who's? They might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us? Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Deep. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly... Together, 
Welcome to episode 323 of the Hoots Podcast. It's August 18th, 2022. According to you, live in the Good Brothers studio in lovely Chicago, Illinois. Hope you guys are having a good week, having a good day, evening, whenever you listen to the podcast. The Hoots Podcast drops you free of charge every single Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast from. Also, we're on YouTube. Uh, put in the search engine, the Hoots Podcast, is directly right to our channel. Subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode. And more importantly, hit that bell button because uh, it'll notify you uh, when new episodes or new videos are uploaded to our channel. And um, again, the show comes to you free of charge. We don't have a Patreon. <laughs> it's a DIY effort. And I do appreciate any support you guys give to the Hoops Podcast. It really means a lot to me. So, And um, and Brother Carter as well. I am Joshi. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter, at Josh Lopez Media, and on Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. But also, for the first time in 18 months, we are free! No! (laughs) That's right. The Hoots Podcast Twitter page is back, baby. That's why I put the name of the title of the podcast this week. We're back in business. <laughs> and we are. Um, pretty damn cool. 18 months. Uh, what, let's give a toast to one of the good guys. The good guys got one over on Twitter. <laughs> My personal Twitter page that I started on July 18, 2011 is back we didn't lose our followers, thank God. It's all ready to go. I, I got the news on Monday that the uh, the account got unsuspended after I sent another 
appeal message to them and we're free <laughs> your your boy got suspended for nearly two years on twitter for uploading guitar covers meanwhile i got a question about it so i'll explain more in detail when we get to it but again just the premise for those who don't know my situation uh my personal twitter page got suspended in february of 2021 and I know this vividly because that's right at the time I was moving into the apartment, which I'm speaking to you right now. And literally a month after I was in the house, we got the suspension. And it's like, I'm so glad that we got it back. Uh, not only because I, it's my personal page and I treat that account as my place to have some non-filtered conversations and just be myself. But when you have the Josh Lopez media account, you got to... Be cautious and disciplined in what you post or like or whatever. And it's just the minutiae that comes with the job that in the line of work that I do. But yeah, you guys can now follow us again at the Hoops Podcast on Twitter. It's it's pretty dang cool. Uh one for the good guys. Um anyways, make sure to bookmark ProSCTranscriptions.com as well. Uh cooking up some good barn burner of uh, transfers for you guys. We, I've already done nine shows this week already as we uh, concluded the G1 uh, this morning. Congratulations to Kazusa uh, Okada for winning his fourth G1 Climax tournament, his uh, second in a row, uh, back-to-back years for Okada as he defeated Will Ospreay in an unbelievable match. Um for those who are wondering if I'm going to fully give you my breakdown of the G1 and my experience, uh, I'm not going to do it for this particular episode. There is so much to get into with the Q&A, WWE. I, I want to hear a lot of what's going on with the recent news that just came out this morning as I'm recording this about NXT and NXT Europe and NXT UK. So I want to get into that. Uh, of course, we got... A brand new segment, uh, not brand new segment, but a brand new edition of our main event segment. What the hell's wrong with AW? No brother Carter this week, unfortunately. Um, he's getting back to his music grind and school and stuff, so he's gonna be at this week. So, unfortunately, no thoughts of Derek either, but our thoughts go out to brother Carter as always. Um, so. Again, I, I, I'll talk about it briefly about the G1 before we get to our main event, but I'm not going to do a full extensive breakdown about it. Uh, I'll just say that be on the lookout uh, over the weekend because I did a more comprehensive breakdown of the G1 uh, with referee Tony on the Heat Pod, which should be dropping tomorrow morning on a Friday. So you guys can hear my thoughts on the entire tour itself. Um on the heat pod. So I just want to get that out of the way. If this is your first time or watching or listening to this podcast, I want to say thank you for giving us a chance. There's a lot of wrestling podcasts to consume, but as I like to remind everybody, this is not just a wrestling podcast. It's a live podcast. It's a personal journal into the daily lives of wrestling content creators. And I just want to say thank you for uh, giving us a chance. Uh, and I'm, as we transition to our next uh, segment here, um, that's kind of the emphasis of what the show is. Um, the show is a back porch style wrestling conversation. We have no filter. Um, not gonna insult. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to insult our uh, audience or just make it feel uncomfortable with uh, the over excessiveness of uh, language. 
But um, if I have something to say, I'm not going to be afraid to say either, too. So, um, yeah, we're going to get into the Backports Q&A session. As always, if you want to participate in the Backports Q&A session, all you have to do is send me a question before recording days at 9 a.m. Eastern on um, Thursdays. And um, I get those questions every week. You can send me questions to at the Hoots Podcast now again and uh, the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Um, let's start off this week as we usually do with the good brother Chris Zaletta at XTZaletta24X on Twitter. He says, thoughts on Tamatanga and another good run, for, good run from him in the G1. Um, yeah, good question. Uh, I think Tamatanga had a really good run, um, as I told Tony as we re- recorded that special show yesterday. Um, as much as I wanted Ishii to win the B block, if if, there, if JY was not going to come out of that block, I wanted Ishii to be that guy just because I just feel that he deserves that opportunity to be in the Final Four. Uh, of a G1, but that didn't happen. And I'm glad that they went with Tamatanga and they followed through with the story that they were telling. And uh, Tamatanga had a lot of good performances and I've always enjoyed his work over the years and, you know, getting transitioned and accustomed to him being a good guy. And now again, um, it's interesting. And I thought he had a fantastic run in uh, his semifinal match with um, Okada uh, was fantastic. So I think Tamatanga, uh, really maximize his uh, potential and his future uh, on this tour. And I thought he did a really, really good job. So um, I, I liked what I saw. Okay, with o- Okada being Osprey, are we bound for another Switchblade Okada match? Uh, I believe we are. Uh, as always, plans can change. And when it comes to Jay White, there's always seems to be shenanigans and stuff. I don't... I don't think you're going to have like a double gold dash thing like we had the last couple of years. Uh, they announced today that there's only going to be one night of uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. So we're going back to traditional format. It will be on January 4th. That'll be the only night of Wrestle Kingdom. But um, yeah, I, I guess it's the proper story to tell, you know. And Okada gained the title off of Switchblade. Okada beat JY at the G1 Supercard. White got his revenge in Japan. Okada getting his one up on Switchblade at the Tokyo Dome would be a big deal. And um, I think this may be the first standalone main event in the Tokyo Dome for JY, if I'm not mistaken. I know he had a um, qualifying match, I think, either with Ibushi or uh, Naito as a main event, but that was the two night. You know, deal. I don't think we're getting into that scenario this year, Chris. And I, I think we're just going to keep it traditional format, which it should be. Um, who should be Braun Breaker's next challenger? Well, I, I think it's probably going to be uh, Apollo Cruz, just with how things have been going with him. And um, I, for the guys that are established in uh, NXT 2.0, those that's the guy off the top of my head. Um, Maybe down the road, you could say maybe Grayson Waller, but I, I think for right now, I'd probably go with the Pilot Cruz as far as like his next program or rivalry, if you will. Uh, do you think NXT UK will be involved in Clash at the Castle pay Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, 
I, I think it'd be a damn shame to not have those guys featured on that show. Uh, they haven't had a takeover South special since the pandemic started. There's like I mentioned last week, and I'm going to expand a little bit more on my NXT UK thoughts in this week at WWE. Um, but I, I think it'd be a damn shame if NXT UK is not part of this pay per view. Um, who do you think in AW would benefit being under the Ring of Honor banner once the, that whole situation gets figured out? Uh, good question. Um, I'd probably say Dante Martin. Uh, would be a good fit under the Ring of Honor banner. Uh, I just think his style uh, fits more that ROH style. Um, that's a really good one. <laughs> like you're not gonna see Ricky Starks in Ring of Honor, so I can't really say him. I, I, you know, Darby Allen's not a bad choice if you want him to be a banner person for Ring of Honor. But again. I have my qualms about the AEW Ring of Honor relationship, and it's more of the glad handing and need to pat myself on the shoulder shit for Tony Cobb that I don't like. And it's just, um, I feel like ROH is more of a project for him to pat himself on the shoulder, Chris, than at, than actually, you know, I care about this product. I want these uh, these people that lost their jobs, unfortunately, because Sinclair Broadcasting didn't give shit about Riga Bonner or the wrestling business. Uh, I just feel that uh, it's more of a project to prop up his ego, you know, and, you know, I, oh, look at me. I'm the booker of the year for three years, right? And <laughs> all this extra stuff. Don't be fooled with all, look, hey, Tony Khan's one of us. Yeah, I'm a wrestling fan too, but I, I know where the sun sh- shines and I have a grasp of reality and that dude does not. Um, good question. With the changes in the front office, do you think it'll change anything in regards to the giant house show in Saudi? Not one bit. Um, and I don't know how long the deal is with Saudi Arabia, but... Um, Again, and I, I know this is a controversial topic and people have their feelings about the Saudi Arabia show. I don't look at it as a giant house show. People can look at it wherever they want. It's a televised event. I don't think people and fans throughout the entire world should not be precluded to enjoy WWE content just because of the actions of their government and officials. I, I don't have to agree with what happens in Saudi Arabia, and I don't. But I don't also, I don't sit here and say, oh, they're just taking blood money and that people in Saudi Arabia don't deserve to watch WWE shows. Look at um, the show, uh, the Super Showdown last year. Uh, and they, in the uh, not Super Showdown, uh, Crown Jewel last year. And the Edge Seth Rollins match. And listen, listen to that crowd, listen to that audience. They want to be there. They want to support the project. Again, this is... I understand if you don't agree with Saudi Arabia politics and all that. I don't either. But again, I don't think that should preclude those fans in that country to see the content. I think anybody in the entire world deserves to see uh, professional wrestling, regardless of whatever company it is. Uh, so I don't think it's going to change anything. And again, I'm I'm in the minority in this situation. I enjoy 
these events when they're out of the country, like the um, show in Australia a couple years ago, or when they go to the Saudi Arabia shows. I enjoy them, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> With NXT UK talent showing up Tuesday night, what do you think it possibly leads to? Well, uh, again, it's going to expand into the topic that I'm going to really touch on when I get to the WWE segment is about uh, the next NXT 2.0 TakeOver special is going to be uh, Worlds Collide. Now, you guys remember the first Worlds, Worlds Collide that took place in Houston pre-pandemic in 2020 was a fantastic event. Um, so many barn burners, um, matches galore on that show from Houston. I remember it like it was yesterday. Undisputed Era against Imperium in the main event. One of the craziest matches I've ever transcribed. Um, they're going to do it again um, on September 4th, which... Um, Again, there's a lot to explain when I get to that segment. But, yeah, basically what happened on uh, Tuesday, Chris, is that this is the setup for the Worlds Collide special. So you're not getting a standalone NXT 2.0 special. You're getting Worlds Collide and NCK against NXT. Do you think they'll be... Do you think there will be talent from Impact and AEW that will be involved with Wrestle Kingdom in January? Um, That all depends. I wonder if they're going to do the Super J-Cup in December because if that's the case, then maybe you can see Ace Austin in one of the preliminary tags because he's a Bullet Club member, right? Um, So... Maybe Ace Austin. I don't know. We're not going to see CM Punk or Brian Danielson. Um, I could say maybe Wheeler Utah, maybe the good, the Goof Brothers, kind of the similar guys we've been seeing. But I, I don't see any major marquee guys coming back from Wrestle Kingdom. And again, it's not a two night event. Uh, it's a one night event. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else from Impact would really, really make a difference on the card there. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't see that happening. But uh, I appreciate your questions, Chris. As always, you always do a good job, my man. I appreciate you. Um, as we can continue on here, uh, let's go to my uh, good brother, Patrick Fritz at. Rated PWF, uh, the good brother of all good brothers. Uh, let's see if I got this right here. <laughs> What's up, Sam? What's going on, man? Thanks for checking out the video. Um, Pat here says, how does it finally feel to be free at last? Hashtag Hoots Podcast is freed. Um, it, it's a blessing. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's one for the good guys. One for the good guys. Uh, Twitter is a fucking cesspool. We all know it. Everybody and their mother knows it. Hell, even Stevie Wonder knows it. Twitter sucks. It's a cesspool. It, it, it's so hypocritical in their practices and what the use of that platform is. And the fact that my account got suspended for 18 months for sharing measly guitar covers for 30 and 45 seconds. Meanwhile, you could log into Twitter and see a girl's back being blown out 
and full movie scenes like it's absolutely nothing. No copyright strikes there. No threats. No nothing. People could post the most ridiculous takes and literally, literally death threats, and they nothing happens to them. But God forbid I do a cover of Brett Young or Morgan Wallen or Blake Shelton, and I'm I'm, I'm committing a crimal sin on Twitter of all places. By the way, I still have my music Instagram page. I haven't updated it recently. Uh, I should get back to playing my guitar again. But again, I don't get I don't deal with this stuff from them. I haven't got suspended on Instagram. 18 months for fucking guitar covers. Again, just think about it rationally. You can log in Twitter and and I don't follow porn on Twitter. Some people do. And unfortunately, the feature with Twitter, you get sometimes on your timeline, you'll see what people like, right? And I have a couple friends of mine who like porn, and that's their prerogative. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I, I don't begrudge them. But again, you can log into Twitter and see a girl's literally just getting weak in the knees. She's going to have a hard time walking, like literally getting blown out, like to the cows come home, screaming her fucking brain off. Literally, the first week you can see nothing happens. You can see movie scenes for fucking Forrest Gump or um, uh, Malibu's Most Wanted with fucking Daniel Garcia, a.k.a. Jamie Kennedy. Like, for example, you can do that on and on and on, and nothing happens. <laughs> Hell, you even get replays of NFL football games and hard knocks and shit, and nothing happens to them. But measly old Joshy with his guitar covers, I'm sorry that I'm actually a good guitar player, that it's overlapping the track of the song that I'm covering, but no, I'm the asshole that has to get copyright strike and literally get suspended for a year and a half for fucking guitar covers. Seriously? By the way, I never made a cent out of those damn guitar covers. I should because they're damn good. But again, it, it's so hypocritical, you know. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> hey, I, I just call it like I see it, man. Like it, it, it's the truth. Like I don't understand what they're going for, but you can watch full porn scenes, like absolutely nothing. You don't even have to go to the porn sites. You can see all over Twitter, nothing happens to those accounts. But if you put a guitar cover on, oh, you're an asshole. Oh, we're. Uh, DMCA is uh, send re- retractions and redactions and all this extra legal shit. I, I don't want any money off the artist. I'm doing a goddamn guitar cover for 30 fucking seconds. What sin am I committing? What, what crime am I doing that's justified for me to be suspended? So I, I'm more than elated, Pat, that we got our account back because... Again, I can be that filter and be myself. You know, there's limitations to having a media account, a Twitter account that has had, uh, the Twitter handle Josh Lopez Media. I had the account so I could continue to share the transcripts, but I couldn't really be myself and say what I really want to say a couple times because I had to tread lightly with some of my, with some stuff that I say. But again, the 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 original personal account that I had was great not only for the show to 
uh, promoted because that's how our following started. But again, I wanted to be myself on there. <laughs> and I'm glad that we got it back. I met a lot of great people uh, that's in our community and of the of the Hoots podcast through Twitter. And again, I like I said earlier, Twitter is successful and full of a bunch of insecure twats, but I've met a lot of good people, and I'm very fortunate for the following that we didn't lose our followers, by the way, when, when I got the account back. And it's just one for the good guys. <laughs> Twitter sucks, and we got one over them. So, I, again, I want to thank Sam. I want to thank Pat. I want to thank the guys who constantly said hashtag free to who's podcast. It was because it was bullshit since day one, and it's still bullshit now. So, um, <laughs> And who knows? Maybe I might get kicked off of Anchor for saying that a girl's back got blown out. Hey, I'm just saying what it is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> am, am, I, am I lying? <laughs> oh, man. How many times did I have to go on fucking Twitter when that whole page shit was going down? I felt so bad for her. Her All of her shit's all laid down shit going on Twitter. I'm like, come on, guys. Dang, <laughs> stuff like that and leaky shit is not cool. Uh, I, I will say that. Anyways, let's get to the next question from Pat before I do get into some serious trouble. Uh, thoughts on the KL Drew promo? Uh, I'll say that for this week in WWE. I, I, for what I'll say right now is I loved it, and uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of it during that segment for you guys. Uh, I, I thought it was, uh, that was really, really good. Thank you, Pat, for the questions as always. Um, next, we get to the good brother Sam's questions. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Second City Sam or Mr. Indiana Sam. I don't know what acronyms that comes out of Indiana. Oh, we're Indiana, the home of guns, where we could just trial it into Chicago and get away with it because we're Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana, good for nothing, Jagoffs. <laughs> I will say one thing about Indiana. They did have some good pierogies when I was visiting a friend of mine. I went to elementary school with uh, Dominic Perez, a good brother. I want to give a shout-out to him. But, yeah, really not much to write home about Indiana besides, you know, probably getting drunk or going to the casinos. You ever wonder if they do a WrestleMania in Indianapolis at the stadium they have? I don't know. Probably not much to do in Indianapolis, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Anyways, <laughs> let's get to Sam's questions here. What do you think the end game is for the Bears and Roquan Smith? Um, what is the end game in general with the Bears? That's my question. Like, what what are we doing here? We could shuffle in and out GMs and coaches every three seasons. And there seems to be no rhyme or reason to anything that goes up up there. You know, we have our theories. We have our philosophies. Nobody in the city of Chicago knows how to evaluate a quarterback or quarterback development if it slapped them in the face. Nobody knows really what's the right direction of to go with the team. I, I mean, I, I was born in 1994. The the closest I seen the Bears winning the Super Bowl was them getting absolutely embarrassed by aforementioned Indianapolis Colts in 2007. Um, 
And since then, it's just been a bottomless pit. (laughs) If you look at the Bears right now, they're kind of like the – if you look at the total pull of NFL teams, they'd be like the – let's say Frosted Flakes box that you have it eight out of in probably two or three months. It's out there. You know it's there. You like Frosted Flakes. You like it growing up. It's always a good and enjoyable experience having Frosted Flakes, but it's an outdated brand. Uh, It's just there. It really doesn't really grab your eye. It doesn't go anywhere. It, it's it's just like leftover food that you forget that to eat, or just stuff in your shelf that you don't pay mind mind your attention. They're so at the bottom uh, dwell of the league that's like I can't even say the Bears are irrelevant. Like I, I I can't come up with the phrase to really describe how irrelevant they are to the mainstream level of the NFL because something always happens. Once he starts coming good, out comes Tony Carrenzi. Here comes Cody Parkey and his dumbass uh, with the fucking missed field goal against the Eagles and then throws a pity party for himself on the Today Show. Uh, and now we got this shit here with Roquan Smith. And look, I'm not, I'm not extra on this. I'm a fan of Roquan Smith. But again, I like to get ahead of an issue before an issue starts and that's my problem being a forward-thinking person. Get yourself a fucking agent, first off. Let's start off with that. Roquan Smith is a fantastic player, but he's been doing this shit since he got into the league. There was a holdout when Ryan Pace was the GM. Now we're dealing with this shit. There's some athletes who think they're bigger than what they are and think they have all the answers to life and shit, and I get it. Roquan's a talented guy, and I love what he does on the field, but as far as a businessman, he's not doing himself any favors. And then it comes out leaked information that somebody's trying to represent him in these um, negotiations, and the NFL had to set out a warning issue to teams about opining about Roquan Smith because, again, he doesn't have an agent and he's trying to figure this out for himself. I like to give Ryan Poles the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the fucking guy's only been on the job for like six, seven months. There's really not much to really say. Oh, he's doing this wrong. He's doing that wrong. It's his first fucking year as a GM. Well, what am I supposed to say, you know? Um, as far as the T's concerned, I, I would trade him. Because at the end of the day, you're not going anywhere. Nothing with the stats of the Chicago Bears is going to be changed or predicated whether Roquan Smith is here or not. And that's the sad truth. We're a bottom-dwelling franchise that's stuck on a rudderless ship. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's not proving anytime soon. We're still going to be hot ass when we get to Arlington Heights. Uh, it's it's not going to change anything. You could put a fucking dome over a stupid UFO ship. You could do a whole bunch of shit. You can even spend all your money in the offseason and try to fix the team. Nothing is going to change. Nothing's going to change unless you start over and refix the foundation of your franchise 
and there's no substance, there's no identity with the current state of the Chicago Bears, and we could do this stupid song and dance every fucking season where we overanalyze every throw from a fucking training practice with our shitty ass media core and get into tips about what what the coach is saying and not saying at press conferences and all this stuff that you hear on the radio stages every day. What the fuck are we doing here? The team doesn't know what they're doing. Us as fans don't know what we're talking about half the time. And three... Does it matter at the end of the day? Because we all know the same shit is going to happen in this continuing cycle of nonsense. Like, it's embarrassing. I've gone on this fucking rant about the scene because I love it. But again, let's call it what it is. The city, the franchise, the media, the fans, worldwide, etc., we have no fucking clue to pinpoint what is going to ter- flip the script for this f- franchise. We don't. We just don't. Tevin Jenkins is getting a look at right guard right now. Is this a good move, or do you see a future for him with the Bears? Hey, I, I hope it works out for the kid. I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of seeing highly drafted players getting run out of the city because we have incompetent uh, coaches and you know un- unforeseen circumstances with the general manager and blah, 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 blah. I want this to work out for him. If Tevin Jenkins could be a starting right guard for the future, I think that'd be awesome for him. But again, I I don't know all everything that's going on with him uh, as far as whether he's a head case or whatever. I I, I can't really say that because I don't know the guy. But um, give me one second. Um, I I just say I. I do you think he has a future? I just want I don't want to rush the guy out of the city if he actually does have talent. What 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 we saw last year was not good enough, but again, last year at Matt Nagy was a freaking abyss. It didn't matter who was on the field, everybody's stock was gonna go down. So I don't really hold that against Tevin Jenkins. It was just a no win situation for everybody on that roster last year. Um Let's get to the next one. What is your level of belief at, at with the White Sox? If they can win the division, can you see them making a run in the playoffs? Uh, I don't see the White Sox right now as a team that would make the ALCS. Um, can they make the playoffs? Can they get a wild card spot? I mean, I think right now they're either one or one and a half out of the wild card and uh, two games uh, behind first place. Um, there are benefits. They are benefactors of the fact that the AL Central is a brutal division. Some might say JoJo Dutch, but uh, (laughs) I could see the possibly winning division with maybe 88 wins. They're probably not going to get to 90, but uh, whatever, whatever how this plays out, I just don't see the White Sox right now, how they're constructed to make it to the ALCS. I love to be proven wrong, but uh, again, White Sox are a case study of why things need to change in the Chicago media landscape because, like, I'm sorry, as much as I'm passionate about sports as everybody else's, I can't analyze baseball games in a life-or-death scenario like I would with um, 
NFL games, you know. We only get 17 of NFL games. So I can understand being frustrated and pissed off, like like really like upset about losing a particular game like that. But I, I can't do the whole day-to-day thing of, okay, the season's over because we lost series in the middle of July or something. You know, it's something with baseball. I just can't look at it that way. Has there been things to be frustrated about it? A- absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't like the fact that my favorite baseball team is treated like at uh, laughing stocks because our fucking general man, uh, not our general manager, the, the manager, the head coach can't get his head out of his ass and can't freaking keep his eyes open while a damn baseball game's going on. Hey, La Russa, stop acting like JR. Wake up. Wake up, pal. <laughs> it's like mad. <laughs> trying to be a manager on the fly, Tony Larusa. Uh, but again, I I hope for the best for the team, and I, I you know, this nice little winning streak they had was cool. Um, right now, it's just important to stop how wins and just win series after series after series. Win as many series as you can, and control what you control. And that's the next day. So that's a good question. All right, next one. Uh, who would you rather start a franchise with? Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones? Uh, on pure talent, I'll go with Justin Fields, but for what I see so far, I'll go with Mac Jones. Uh, here's my deal with the quarterbacks you mentioned here, Sam. Um, I don't know why people are already trying to put Trey Lance in the Hall of Fame. Um, I've seen maybe two games from him last season. And as much as people want to drink the Kyle Shanahan Kool-Aid, uh, can you tell me when's the last time Kyle Shanahan won the Super Bowl? Hey, what what do we say in sports, right? It doesn't matter what you do if you don't win the championship at the end of the day, right? So Kyle Shanahan, the mastermind, who allowed the New England Patriots to come back for 28-3 the Super Bowl. The same Kyle Shanahan that lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Hey, you can pile up all the stat sheets and score all the points you want. Are you really doing anything at the end of the day? Like, I, I for one, not buying what I'm seeing from the 49ers. They got good defense. Okay, uh, decent running game. Uh, they still got Daniel Samuel, so he's a threat. But I'm not buying the media narrative every year that, oh, we got to watch out for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and, you know, Peter Schrager's practically verbally getting on the knees for the fucking guy. It's like, I, I need to see some results. It's the same shit with Aaron Rodgers every year. Oh, the, the, Aaron Rodgers is going to go on a revenge tour. Packers are front runners for Super Bowls this year. Yeah, they've been front runners for the last 11, 12 seasons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they are front runners. And that's just the truth. <laughs> I need to see actions. I need to see results. Don't tell me something. I need to see it for myself. You know why people give. Bill Belichick and Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin, the benefit of that, because they deserve it. They produce results. 
It's result-based business at the end of the day. That's what it is. So I'm not buying the Kool-Aid just because fucking Kyle Shanahan runs up the, the stat sheets every season. Good for you, bro. <laughs> Honestly. Hey. You can have fucking Dan Campbell this year. All right, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> Lunch trail, man. We're going to run down the fucking throats, man. I'd rather see Dan Campbell get some love and hopefully things work out for him with the Lions than, oh, I have to be told how great a fucking Mike Kyle Shanahan is all the time. Love you, man. <laughs> Detroit Lions, I don't give a shit. We'll run right through you, man. <laughs> MCDC's the fucking man. I've been really enjoying uh, Hard Knocks the last couple episodes. That's been pretty fun. Um Okay, let's see what the next question here is. Uh, if you could only listen to three band artists for the rest of your life, what would be your choices? Uh, first, and certainly not least, is the Eagles. Um, the Eagles are my favorite band of all time. Uh, they're the group who I got into music in the first place. So my my picks are pretty easy. Uh, it's the Eagles, uh, the Beatles, and Tom Petty and the uh, Heartbreakers. If I had to pick three bands, it would be those three. Um, you can thank my grandpa for schooling me the right way to music. I, I got to expose, expose to a lot of different things in my life growing up. Maybe that's why my brain is the way it is and I can see things a little bit different for most people my age because I got exposed to old school music and stuff um, with my grandparents. They lived next door to us when I was growing up. And, you know, listening to ELO and Zeppelin and Rush and um, Allman Brothers and a bunch of different bands and R&B music as well. Uh, Smokey Robinson, Luther Vandross, a bunch of shit. And then also I was exposed to other stuff. So that also explains my nice filteredness. I, I was watching Beavis and Butthead and Celebrity Deathmatch and all this stuff when I was younger. Uh, made some stuff I should have been watching during that time period, but hey, what what, what are you gonna do? I had young parents, like it is what it is. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the next question. If you had to name one thing you think Triple H needs to work on for television, what would it be? Uh, taxi division, women's division, etc. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think for me. What I would work on is the commentary team on Raw. Um, something just needs to change. I'm tired of hearing Corey Grace do his best JBL impression every single week. Um, I like Jason, but he has his hit and miss moments, and uh, Saxon is useless. Uh, just the three-minute concept in the booth is just not good on Raw, so that's something I would change. As far as that, I mean, <laughs> Raw's a double-edged sword. And any people with a bright mind would understand that, you know, with business, you're going to take the money if the networks want to give you a three-hour show. I can understand why fans, for their own purposes, would not want to watch a three-hour show. I get it. Now, I'm in a different position because I don't really watch the show for three hours. Um, I watch it in spurts because I'm transcribing the shows. And um, sometimes I'll watch the show for two and a half hours. Sometimes if there's not a lot of 
uh, promo segments, I could get done with Raw in two hours. Uh, it's it's a balancing act, um, but I think from what we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, I do see little slight in- incremental changes in how things are formatted on show, and I think that's been appreciated to everybody that's been watching the shows, and there's been some longer matches, so that's been fun too. But um, again, I I like to remind everybody that when it comes to all these changes, there. There are aspects of WWE from Fisting Man that still work, maybe if you don't even realize it. And I I know I get it. Everybody's excited about Triple H. I'm excited about Triple H too. But I don't need a rehash of black and gold NXT to be excited about WWE. I, I still enjoyed covering WWE shows even when Fisting Man still had the pencil because, again, I I – can understand what's going on with WWE. I don't have to agree with everything they do, but they had an identity, and I know what show I was watching. And again, maybe the show wasn't for me because I'm not a kid and PG this and PG that and whatever, but I understood what show I was watching. It may not have been intended for me, but I can still appreciate the action in the ring. And there's still good concepts from Vincent Man that work. So when it comes to Triple H and what needs to be worked on, like I mentioned when, uh, when he first came in, um, I just think the importance of having some nuanced conversations and how you build your feuds is important. Like having that sit-down interview stuff with Michael Cole that used to do every week uh, with him when Triple H was the authority figure. I thought that stuff was good because it really um, <clears throat> was good for character development. And, um, you know, just doing stuff like that. Um, but I, I really, my thing is really revamping how things go with the concert team. Because at the end of the day, concert is important. And concert is your narrators that are telling your stories and keeping the energy going on the show. And um, I just think for too many years on Raw, since Michael Cole made the switch to SmackDown, it's just like, you get nothing from that booth, nothing. You, you, you get nothing. It's like sterile commentary. And it's not good. Um, I think a lot of things and angles and stuff could have been protected with better commentary. Uh, especially that era with Tom Phillips. Uh, that was rough. But um, that's just something off the top of my head. Um, so that's what I would do. Um, next question. Which... With more prestige seemingly coming to the U.S. and IC belts, who would you like to see have a run with them? Okay, uh, that's a good question. I I like to see Sheamus uh, get a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe Ricochet and things uh, continue to build up for him, and he starts starting getting uh, momentum again. Um, I would say for the U.S. side, oh, thing pre-story was a U.S. champion, so I really can't say him. Theory was a U.S. champion, so no. Um, I'd say I really would like to see Tommaso Ciampa get a chance to win the U.S. title. I think that'd be pretty cool. If if he comes in, I think Johnny Gargano would be a good U.S. champion. Uh, I think that'd be cool. If you want to make the U.S. title or the IC title, whatever way you want to look at it as the workhorse style, go ahead and do it. 
Um, there is something to be in the lookout for after Clash of the Castle is over because I do believe the WWE draft is um, two weeks after the Castle pay-per-view. And that's probably when the switch is going to change for the roster. So um, I can't really pinpoint too many people because I don't know which people are going to be on particular brands. We'll have to see how that plays out. And um, there, there has to be a shuffling with how the main roster, main card divisions are. So we'll have to see how that works out. But those are the ones off the top of my head that I could pick. Um, here's a good question. <laughs> Most overrated fast food chains. Uh, Wendy's. Uh, let's start off with that. Uh, I think Wendy's is really decreased in value since they got older. Uh, yeah, Wendy's is definitely on the list for me. <laughs> um, let's see. Never been really like a big Taco Bell guy, to be honest with you. Um, let's see. That's a good question, man. Um, Papa John's trash garbage. If you want pizza, get your get yourself from a local Chicago pizza place and get pizza. Like going to like Little Caesars or Papa John's is not the place to get pizza from. Um, <laughs> I say, um, yeah, I really really want to say like Wendy's over the last couple. He's been really overrated. I, I and I've seen a lot of their commercials recently. And it's like it's not good food. <laughs> I used to love Wendy's when I was younger, but now it's like, ooh, oofa, oofa, oofa. So those probably are the ones that I would pick. Um, love to know your guys' thoughts. Hit me up at Twitter at the Who's Podcast. Uh, what do you think are overrated fast food chains? How about this? Uh, sometimes when I'm feeling down, I beat myself over everything. How do you control yourself from doing that personally? Um it's it's a balancing act, and uh, I'm not going to come in here and tell everybody that every day is rainbows and butterflies for me because it's not. But I had I had to acknowledge the fact that I'm wired differently than other people, and that I'm okay with that. And I think it's I always say this a lot, but it's true. A lot of the issues with society today is that a lot of people are not acknowledging what they see in the mirror. And how they view themselves. There's a very, a very, a big lack of self awareness in society these days, and that um, oh my, the only thing that I can say to anybody that ever deals with depression or self doubt or like in this case, like you're saying when you're feeling down, not being yourself up, not only is to push through, but own who you are, like own own the flaws that you got. Honest, like honestly, oh, own up to it. Own up and say it's something that you got to work on, but don't let that flaw own you to the point where that flaw makes that flaw doesn't drive your decision making. That flaw doesn't make you make stupid decisions. Like have some self awareness and understand that when you're feeling down, you know, lashing out at other people. Or lashing out yourself is not doing you any favors at the end of the day, and that's really what it really comes down to. I mean, for me, I always say when I start getting in my head, or I'm start feeling down, 
I always go into music. I have my simulations and my things in my skate that I go to when I start feeling down. But yeah, are there days where I start getting like really lonely and days that I start like questioning myself or, or there's days that maybe I might scream the pill like, fuck, like, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah, I have those moments. But I'm also really cognizant of where I am right now in my life and that, you know, I appreciate the space that I have. I, I'm very blessed and fortunate for the fact that I have my independence, that I have my own apartment, and I'm doing my own thing. I'm not tied down in a relationship. I've, I've been healing from a past relationship that like, I'm, I'm fully good. Like I barely think about the chick anymore. Like it is what it is. I'm at, and I'm in the different situations. So I can't speak to everybody's problems, but what I can say, at least for, for myself, that when things are starting to go bad and like, I start doubting myself, I was telling about the situation, about the whole budget cuts and everything. Yeah, that's the that's stuff that's been eating at me a lot this year because it's messed me up financially. It has. It's the, I, I think I'd be way over for what I'd be making right now if I wasn't dealing with the budget cuts. But again, I understood the line of the work that I'm working at. And I've been busting my ass regardless of that because one, I enjoy what I do for a living. And two, I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be rewarded for the work that I put in. So, yeah, are there things that come my way that are out of my control and sometimes it's hard to adjust to that? Yeah, but guess what? That's life. What, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to sulk and feel sorry for myself? No. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's why I continue to do this podcast. That's why I continue to do the transcripts. I, there's been, there, I, I, always, I believe this to be true. Nobody's a bigger enemy than yourself. There's nobody on this planet that you can hate more than yourself. It's it's unfortunate to say that, but it's reality for all of us, whether we realize that or not. If you have some self-awareness, you'll realize more times than not, the people that bring you down the most is the same person looking in the mirror. And that's just the truth at the end of the day. And I wish that people could stand in own and acknowledge the fact of who they are and just start living life on your own terms and not looking back it's not feeling the need that you need to you know like appease people and appease your family members and do this to seek validation for them like yeah i get it we have family members and i love my family and i have respect for them but again my life is not dictated or predicated on their opinions that's just a shoot. And that's something for everybody to think about, too. Everybody has opinions. People have philosophies. People have their way of life. And I'm not going to tell people how to live their life. But again, you have to make decisions on your own. So, yeah, if you are feeling dumb, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to lash out at somebody because you can't handle your own problems with them? What, what, what do you get out of that? You get, that, you get some... Added to testosterone or adrenaline by lashing out at people because you can't handle your own internal conflicts. <laughs> like, you know, if you're feeling down and beating yourself up, you got to figure out what the resolution to it. Because you're going to continue that shit fester and fester and fester and fester. You're doing yourself more damage than you realize down the road. 
And I, I realized that at a really young age, and I had a lot of things happen to my life where at the end of the day, I had to know that if if I don't have me, I don't have shit <laughs> at the end of the day. And that's a harsh reality for some people. Some people are very fortunate that they have their parents that are married for 20 or 30 years and et cetera, et cetera. And there's people in my case that, hey, I, my, I had my situation and, you know, I made the best out of it. But I also knew at that time period that if I don't have myself because I can't rely on what I should really rely on and depend on, then I have no purpose of being here. I have no purpose to live. And I had to switch that way of thinking. I had to switch that way of thinking because, you know, a lot of that really hit at a time where I was really developing into an adult. And, you know, I've had so many people ask me about, like, why am I shy? Why, why don't I speak out as much? Why do I, why, why do I don't, like, go out to clubs? Why don't I go out and hang out with friends? Why don't I do this? Why don't I do that? Why am I antisocial? Blah, 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 blah. I've had family members ask me that question before. And, again, I, I don't think doing a podcast for six years or being a broadcaster for nine really indicates anything whether I'm antisocial or not. But for me, I don't allow anybody to dictate what I am at the end of the day, for better or worse. Because these are the same people. It could be family members. It could be friends. People are going to run their mouth about you. People are going to talk shit about you. People are going to look down on you. They're going to put on unrealistic expectations on you. But again, who's in that shoes? You are, not them. Who's whose life is going on? You or theirs? I know, I know. I'm trying not to speak in circles, but it really ties down to this question: when you're being yourself up and having self doubt, I'm the master in living every day with self doubt. I don't have all the answers to it. But what I do know is I have me and I'm fucking proud to have to say that. It was me that pushed through dealing through that divorce. It was me healing and going through that shit with Lauren. I have me. And everything that's come out of my way, I pushed myself through that shit. Because there's nothing that is gonna put me away until whenever that time comes when I am gone. I can only control what's in front of me. And I only can control what's inside here. Stop letting people in life control the way you feel within yourself. That That's why I say in the show every week, be the authentic product that is yourself because that's what you got at the end of the day. It really is at the end of the day. I really believe that because if you don't own you if you don't acknowledge what you are you're not doing your partners any favors you're not doing your family members uh, you're not doing your family members any favors you're not doing yourself any favors more importantly at the end of the day so i hope that answers that question i know i just spread out a bunch of shit but Honestly, it's it's a good topic to discuss because I feel that's a big thing in society these days that we don't own 
who we are. Like we allow like depression and other stuff to hide as a shield. I deal with depression. I own it. I don't use depression and mental health as, oh, a burden and feel sorry for myself. I own that shit. I've been owning that shit for my entire life. I own the fact that my happiness is not predicated on the number of people that reach out to me. My happiness is not predicated on whether I have a brother of mine who doesn't reach out to me. Like, you know, again, if you don't have you, you don't have shit at the end of the day. And that's the reality of life. So that's all I can say about that. Last question for the Q&A this week. Three breakout Chicago Bears this year are going to be, oh boy, (laughs) Uh, Jaquan Brisker, Dominique Robinson, uh, two rookies right there. And I really think this year is going to be a good year for Cole Komet. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to have there for the season, but I do think this is going to be a good year for Cole Komet. And I think one thing we'll realize with this roster this season is that, um, you know, we'll see how whether Matt Eberfus could spray some cologne on the bad, uh, the bad coaching for bad, uh, Matt Nagy or not. But I believe in talented football players, and I do think uh, we'll see Cole Komet in a better position than he was with Matt Nagy running the ship. So I, I go with Jaquan Brisker, Dominique Robinson, and Cole Komet as my breakout performers. I, I mean, you can check out Tristan Abner, the, another rookie who uh, had a pretty impressive performance against the Chiefs. By the way, the Bears are playing the Seattle Shithawks uh, later on tonight. Um, we'll see how that game goes out. But, um, yeah, those are the ones off the top of my head. And, you know, I heard a lot of things about Braxton Jones. It looks like this rookie class could be some, like, real big-time players, and I wish nothing for the best for them. Uh, I think that's that should be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, those are the ones off the top of my head. And, honestly, look out for Jalen Johnson this year. I think this could be a, another good year for him, especially with the emphasis on turnovers. Uh, and the way our secondary is looking right now, I think we have a good opportunity to expand on uh, the potential of our corners and stuff. So I'm curious to see how he plays this season. I really do. So those are the ones off the top of my head. But I want to thank uh, Sam, Pat, and Chris for some awesome questions this week, guys. You guys killed it. As always, if you want to participate in the Back Porch Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or thehootspodcast at gmail.com. When we come back, let's talk about what's going on in the world in WWE. Uh, Yes, sir. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE as we kick it off to Friday Night SmackDown, which took place in Raleigh, North Carolina, this past Friday night with Michael Cole and Pat McAfee on the call. And start of the... Women's Tag Team Tournament for the Women's WWE Tag Team Titles on the other side of the bracket with uh, Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez defeating Chachi Blackheart and Isaiah Lee. I was very happy to see these ladies get some time on television. Um, 
I think it's very important. I think JR says this a lot on his show, really, JR, and, and it's true. The only way that you're really going to develop and really grow as a performer outside of promos and storylines and stuff like that is really reps in the ring. And, you know, I'm in the uh, component, and there's something that Mike Tomlin says all the time that I think is true, is that be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, if you're feeling in doubt about your career and, you know, there's times where you don't know, if let's say, like, you feel lost, like, you're not, you don't have a direction yet, you don't know who your next opponent is, you don't know what your standing is, be comfortable being uncomfortable because it keeps you on your toes. Take advantage of every opportunity that's in front of you, make the best out of your performances, and what do I say every week, guys? Maximize your TV time. And I think... Uh, Raquel and Aaliyah are case points in that uh, narrative that I just shared right there. I, I thought they did a fantastic job in, um, you know, you want to get the audience invested to these new characters as we go through this transition phase. That's where, that's where it starts there. You know, give it the time. Let them, let them dictate where things are going to go with their careers. And I, 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 I was really happy to see that they got the time that they did. Uh, this kicked off the show. There, from there, we heard from Karrion Cross, and enjoyed this promo for what it is. Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, the chosen ones. Must be nice. Us, cast out of paradise, disregarded like a broken toy, to be forgotten. We prepared, and we waited for the perfect time to strike with vengeance. Everybody knows about the bloodline. Now, now we're going to show them the new timeline. Because no matter where the time is told, in the end, everybody pays the toll. Don't forget that TikTok. Everybody pay. Uh, every, when the time is sold, in the end, everybody indeed pays the toll. Enjoyed what I saw there. Things are building up slowly to uh, getting to Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. They'll be having a face-to-face confrontation, if you will, tomorrow night on SmackDown. As we're recording this, looking forward to that. Speaking of things to look forward to, last Friday we had a return. Of Hit Row. I mentioned earlier in the Q&A about, you know, having commentators uh, accentuate your presentation and the the energy going on in a match. 
You know why people enjoy Michael Cole and Pat McAfee? It's right there. They're walking into quote-unquote squash match, right? But again, it's enhancing the performer's presentation. And let's say Hit Roll is coming out on Raw and you have Saxon and Gray's uh, bickering about stuff none of us know what they're talking about. You know, it's like... It, it's very important. That's why the SmackDown commentary team stands out and helps angles get over and presentations like that. And the Raw commentary does not. Um, <laughs> a lot of things will fix for the better from that point of view once uh, Bucky Beaver Boy will be gone. But we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, from there, again, great to see Hit Raw on the show. I thought that was pretty cool. Again, BFAB, very, very nice waterfall. Um, what do you think is the end game for Sami Zayn? I'm very curious in that. Like, where do you see this is going with the Usos? Does he find some tag partner? What's going to happen with Sami Zayn? We had a run-in by Ronda Rousey before the contract signing with uh, uh, Liv Morgan and Shaded Basil. Let's hear what she had to say. Supposed to be here because I was suspended for my actions at SummerSlam. I was also fined a lot of money. So I doubled it. Let's be honest, it's not going to be the last time. What can I say? Being the baddest gets expensive. But I can afford it. Again, Rhonda is a heel. Good business, pal. For there, we had the Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Kotrick, Shine. That was fine. I'm looking forward to their match at Clash of the Castle. Uh, speaking of Clash of the Castle, we had Drew McIntyre and Riddick Moss in a pretty good match with the Usos. I thought that's pretty solid. We had their ad with the maximum male models. And, of course, the main event of SmackDown this past week was um, Shinsuke Nakamura against Gunta, the ring general, for the Intercontinental Championship. Absolutely fantastic barn burner type of match. Gunther prevailed and retained his Intercontinental Championship over Nakamura. Fantastic match. Just top-tier shit. I really enjoyed that match. It was really, really good. So, all in all, some decent stuff there from SmackDown. And curious to see what they do tomorrow as uh, SmackDown is in Montreal. Montreal, Quebec, Canada. You think we see Bret Hart? Be pretty cool, right? <laughs> Let's go over to Monday Night Raw this past Monday night in Washington, D.C. Show kicked off with a promo with Judgment Day. I thought this was a good start to Raw because, you know... A lot of people were kind of souring down on the Fist McMahon presentation of Judgment Day. But I like the fact that from what I saw from Raw this week is that you didn't run away from the performers that, yeah, maybe they were gimmicks that people were liking for the Vince McMahon regime. But you had talent here and you got to give them the opportunity to succeed on their own accord. And I really appreciate the fact that Triple H has stuck his guns to this angle that's been going on with the Judgment Day and Edge and Rey Mysterio. So I really enjoyed that opening segment. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, we have Fib, uh, not Fib, uh, we have Edge against Damian Priest on Raw this Monday. That should be a lot of fun. Raw is in Toronto. From there, we have uh, Asuka and Alexa Bliss defeating uh, Piper Niven and Nikki Cross in the in the first round match. The first round match of the tag tournament. No surprise, everybody thought that was a pretty solid match. Now again, maximizing your TV time. Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler. Here we go. And unlike you, I'm not going to screw up the rest of my career like you did. Didn't like that, huh? But that's real. He's going rogue. He's going rogue. He's going rogue. (laughs) That backstage segment was tremendous. By the way, if you saw the skit with Elias... And his entire family in the hospital bit and Ezekiel. Oh man, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm still popped for that segment. That shit was hilarious. Uh if you guys have not seen that yet, it's some damn good shit. Like, who's the little kid next to Elias? Is that his son? <laughs> we have Ernie, we got Elrod in there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, again, maximize TV time. That's a, that's a takeaway this week for Raw SmackDown, ladies and gentlemen. Maximizing your TV time. Miz and Champa beating Alexander and Ali. Good match. Um, by the way, I find it quite hypocritical for Mr. Brianna Alvarez, of all people who's been touting about how short the matches are on Raw and SmackDown, they go on a shitty-ass radio show and whine that the matches are too long and he misses the variety aspects of Raw. Brother, man, you gotta pick a fucking lane, man. And stop talking out of both sides of your ass. Please, for the love of God. Now, you want to talk about some good business here? This is what I've been waiting to talk about all week. Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. If there's no other further way to emphasize the point of maximizing your TV time, listen to this. I miss the old Kevin Owens. I think it's time to bring back the Kevin Owens that people called the prize fighter. And Drew, I haven't held a title in WWE for five long years. But enough is enough, and it's time for a change. So now, I am coming after everything. Every single champion is a target. The U.S. champion, the intercontinental champion, the tag team champions. And Drew, I don't give a damn if it's you or Roman Reigns. Whichever one of you walks out of Cardiff, champion has got a hell of a problem. Because I'm coming after the biggest prize of them all. And that's the undisputed WWE Universal title. Okay. I'll let you say your piece. And quite frankly, Drew McIntyre is going to have to respond. I'm sick of people making stuff up just to get a cheap reaction. 
saying things like Drew McIntyre not carrying the load, not knowing who he is. I know exactly who the hell I am. Someone recently called me the chosen one. I was the chosen one 15 years ago. Then I got fired. Then I had to work my ass off, earn my way back to this company. I ain't called WWE. They called me and I've worked my ass off every day since. I'm a two-time champion. I beat Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Randy Orton, everyone that stood in my path. Don't you dare look me in the eye and pull that BS again. Now I think it's time for Owens and McIntyre to stop talking. I don't care if you're a prize fighter, a sports entertainer, a superstar. We're wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Let's just freaking wrestle. I mean, what else is there to be said, you know? <laughs> Just absolutely phenomenal stuff. Probably probably that segment alone is the favorite thing I saw in wrestling this week. Um, Owens and McIntyre, fantastic match. Was not surprised with the Usos' decision there. Uh, we found out that Seth Rollins will be fighting Matt Riddle. It was nice to see him on the show. Raw again was just another solid show. We had the Bobby Lashley AJ Styles match for the US title. That was good. Bobby Lashley retained with the spear. And uh the main event was Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler. So all in all, Raw and SmackDown were pretty good on my eyes this week. Um really quick, I want to pull something up here. And that's um Thanks to UK. We got to talk about this. So here's a preview briefly of what's going on today. We got two matches in the NXT UK Championship Tournament. First, we got Joe Coffey and Mark Andrews. Also on the program today, we got Eddie Dennis and Saxon Huxley taking on the team of Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward. Also on the program, we got Abel taking on Nina Samuels. And in the main event, Tyler Bate against Kenny Williams. That's also the second uh, tournament match that will be on this program. So that is the preview for the card for NXT today. Now, here's what I really want to talk about today. Because uh, before I came on air, an announcement came out here about the creation of NXT Europe. So I want to read this for you guys and then we'll go from there. Uh, okay, so I got the press release here. WWE announced today that the NXT brand will grow internationally with the creation of an all-new NXT Europe with the launch plan for 2023. Following the success of our live events and talent identification efforts throughout all of Europe, we believe it's the perfect time to expand NXT beyond the UK, says Shawn Michaels, WWE Vice President of Talent Development Creative. Launched in 2016... NXT UK has received critical acclaim and developed WWE main roster talents such as Ray Ripley, Piper David, Gunther, and Butch. NXT Europe will reimagine the brand and its talent pipeline with a pan-Europe focus. Prior to the debut of NXT Europe, Worlds Collide, a premium live event featuring NXT and NXT UK superstars, will be presented live on Sunday, September 4th, at 4 p.m. Eastern on Peacock in the United States and WWE Network everywhere else. So, a lot of people have been hitting me up recently asking me my thoughts of what's going on with NXT UK. You guys know from listening to the podcast that NXT UK is my favorite show that WWE produces each week. And 
I, I got a lot of thoughts and I, I want to share them with you here in that um well I am bummed bummed out that uh NXT UK will be going away for a couple months. Uh they said a few months, who knows? It, we may not get their NXT UK episode this year after uh, Worlds Collide. And I know there's been a couple shows uh been canned and taped, and I know a lot of people were upset. For the fact that Tyler Bay came out with the NXT UK title, so kind of giving away the fact that he won the championship, I I can understand that, and I I'm, I love NXT UK, and it's my favorite show, and I can understand you know not, not wanting to get storylines away from a good story, but um you know doing a World's Collide special, I am very happy and excited for those performers on that NXT UK side of the roster because they deserve the opportunities and the spotlight to be featured on the show. I think if anything that I could take away from this is it's a good beneficial thing for NXT 2.0 because you have a lot of these performers like Blair Davenport and Tyler Bay and et cetera, et cetera, that you'll see coming down throughout the mix. And you saw Jordan Devlin get his shot against Braun Breaker at Heat Wave, you know. Um, so really quick, my quick thoughts on Heat Wave. Um, I enjoyed the match with Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez. I thought that was good. It was nice to see Cora Jade win that match. Um, the match with uh, Mandy Rose and Zoe Stark was not much of a surprise to me. Uh, I was happy to see Mandy retain. Uh, what else on the card really stood out to me? Uh, oh, Santos Escobar, Tony D'Angelo. Very good stuff there. And then the main event, Brock Breaker and... Um, Jordan Devon, very good match. So I, if you guys have seen Heat, there's been a lot of wrestling, obviously. So I, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned Heat Wave and not leave that out. But um, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. But going back to this NXT uh, Europe thing, I think for the meantime now, and once this World Collide show goes down, we'll see what that card is. And I think that'll be a fun event. And this is a good opportunity for a lot of those performers to be exposed on television in this way on USA that they haven't had that opportunity when they've just been on Peacock or WWE Network, you know? And I feel uh, I feel happy for these performers that they'll have that spotlight going forward. And I'm curious to see what that card is. And I know when I first heard that they're doing uh, Worlds Collide the same day as All Out, um, I, I was kind of curious about that because... Um, you would think doing an NXT 2.0 special while All Out's going on would be a good idea, but they did announce that they're going to do that show at uh, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. So, all in all, not not the end of the world. It's not a bad idea, so I think it's pretty cool that they're going to go out. It's going to be a long-ass day of wrestling, but, um, yeah, that, that, that should be pretty cool, actually. Uh, so Worlds Collide, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and transcribe. And um, I'm excited for it. I'm curious to see what the expansion looks like once we get closer to 2023. And um, Shawn Michaels and the crew and NXT and NXT UK deserve a lot of credit for what they put into that brand. And I believe in what they're doing. And whatever that vision looks like when it comes around, It'll be a lot of fun, and then we'll get to have some more fun transcribing some AC Europe shows now. So, um, all in all, I'm excited for the expansion. I am a little bummed out that I'll be missing out on my NXT once these uh, tape shows are done for the BT Sports Studio. But, nonetheless, um, 
that, my friends, that's what happened this week in WWE. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the gist of the show. What you've been waiting for. What you need. Another restaurant quality edition of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, two, one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. 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 It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We've been asking this question for about a year and two months. Hell, (laughs) you know, my suspension on Twitter for my uh, account for our podcast has been in suspension longer than this segment has been a segment on this show. Think about that. We've been asking this question since June of 2021. What the hell is wrong with AEW? And honestly, this week is no different from any other week. And that's the sad thing. I can talk about the stuff I liked. I can talk about the stuff I dislike. And again, I... I did get in touch with Brian Carter over the last couple days, and we were we were going over the stuff that happened on the show last night. And again, we just get to this point of the week right before we record this podcast. It's like just up front, this is not a good television show. It's not entertaining. The crowds at these live events are misleading. I mentioned it before. You have a TV fourteen. Rating it necessitates the crowd to act more lively and stuff and try to get attention for themselves than actually paying attention to the show. Yeah, I get it. there's a spectrum of the loyal AEW fan base that puts everything that they do over and they do absolutely don't absolutely nothing wrong and Tony Khan is Teflon and all that. I understand that. I do. And I can respect that to a certain degree. But again, it's just the notion that nothing goes wrong with AW just continues to amaze me, especially for my colleagues in the field who put over every dynamite over that like, gets great. What great television. What another great dynamite. What another great episode on TBS. Man, I can't wait for Rampage. Okay, let me read this off again. Keith Lee, Private Party. No, I bet Keith Lee and Shane Strickland against Private Party for the Tags House. Hook against a guy from the Jersey Shore. Athena against Penelope Ford. Waterfall aside. And the best friends and trust busters. Now, as I said that, and those who are listening to the podcast right now, 
Can you tell me, A, do you know half of the people that are on this card? And two, do you give any shit about it? Like, honestly. Let's start off with the good stuff, because I don't want to be negative Nancy here. And we'll get to the stuff that you guys wait for for the podcast. I'll get to it, but uh, let's hear what I did like. And it was this portion of the show with CM Punk. That into existence, I also know what it's like to lose. And ladies and gentlemen, I have lost big, sure. But John Moxley has always been number two. There's always that guy that has his number. I'm that guy. Hey, you can boo if you want, but let me know when I'm telling lies. John Moxley is the third best guy in his own group. seems to be a reoccurring theme in his career. Doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't make him the best either. I am the best. Number one, John Moxley has been here carrying the torch for AEW. I broke my foot. John Moxley talks about breaking bones and drinking blood, but between me and him, the only person who's broken bones in the last six months is me. They were mine, but still, the fact remains. Tell me when I'm telling lies. John Moxley has been interim AEW champion. Interim, look it up. It means temporary. But I'm willing to test myself against John Moxley. But John Moxley's not willing to test himself against his best friend. And let's talk about numbers. His best friend is the third best Eddie I've ever been in the ring with. Third. He's the second best Kingston I've ever shared a locker room with. These people aren't number one in anything. Tell me when I'm telling lies. gentlemen i've missed competing in this ring i have yet to defend this title and that's exactly what i plan to do it all out the pay-per-view fourth of september chicago illinois i'm looking forward to testing my belt against john moxley's number one versus number two with a bullet i'm looking to test my foot the funny thing is is heading into chicago john moxley's not even the first john i'm gonna beat in chicago for a championship belt And he's certainly not number one in that category either. That's the punk portion of it. Let's listen to what Moxley had to say in return. Here, just one second. Oh boy. This is heavy. with his mouth that his body can't cash. 
Punk, you live in a fantasy world, man. In your mind, you're the best wrestler in the world. Dude, most of the time, you're not even the best wrestler in catering. You think that microphone in your hand, you think that microphone in your hands is power. But this is a real world. And it's just a microphone. That microphone and all the words you spit into it don't mean shit. That belt on your shoulder don't mean shit. Who's living in the fantasy world now? To be fair, right now, this belt don't mean shit. Not until I beat you. I am the heart and soul of this company. And every time they call me interim champion, it makes me think of you and it makes me sick. Good. You can be the heart and soul. I'll be the dollars and the cents. So what now, you done talking? Look, we both know that you only came to AEW because you ran out of money, so don't give me that. Being the best is about heart and soul and guts and fighting spirit, and we both know that you ran out of fighting spirit a long time ago. If you want to prove me wrong, go ahead and do something about it. I don't think you're going to do shit. We got a match coming up at the pay-per-view, which I will soundly defeat you. If I touch you now, I'm afraid you're just going to bleed all over me. start of promos right transitions it bleeds into by far the shittiest punch exchange I've seen this entire year it's just <laughs> I don't even know what to say I ain't saying this because Punk's my guy but holy fuck that was one of the most JoJo Dutch brawls, pull-apart brawls that I saw. You know, by the way, you know it's a bad brawl when you have to repeat it later on in the show to fill time. And again, this is another example of Mark booking, a Mark being a Mark. Mark don't know how to run a show if his life fucking depended on it. This... Twat Tony Khan just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Now going to Moxley and Punk. I mentioned last week. I have no interest in this match. I'm not surprised that my my wrestling idol has been spewing out what I've been saying about John Moxley for four or five years on this show. <laughs> Thank you, Punk, for reiterating. What I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the show. That brawl is supposed to sell me as a main event draw. Somebody had the audacity to put on Twitter. The My Way song with Limp Biscuit under it. 
with the footage of that bra. I saw that this morning and I couldn't stop laughing for at least 10 minutes of how ridiculous and how stupid I was. I wasn't even personally offended by it. But seriously, there's a video floating out there on Twitter right now with the My Way music of CM Punk and John Moxley throwing their powder puff punches and their uh, <laughs> My Hello Kitty fucking slugfest. And here's the thing. You're really going to tell me and compare CM Punk and John Cutler is is uh, comparable to Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. That may be the stupidest shit I've heard this entire year. Honestly. That may be the dumbest thing I've heard this entire year. Comparing John Moxley and CM Punk to The Rock and Stone Cold is absolutely asinine to me. They're going to try to do it and Jared's going to do his best... Uh, John to sell it because he's trying to convince all of you and hoodwink all of you that John Moxley is the second coming of Stone Cold. He's not. He's a cosplayer. Some interesting comments came this week from Eric Bischoff. Shocking, right? About Tony Khan and Mark Booking. Let's read this, shall we? Oh, man. Here we go. As In regards to AW, not competition to WWE. Tony Khan refers to WWE not as WWE, but as the competition. Tony, wake the F up. You're not competition. You have not taken any market share. Your audience is not growing on television. There's not even a comparison from a financial perspective in terms of revenue generating conversation. So exactly how are you competitive if you're not taking market share and you're not even in the same conversation from a revenue point of view as a business? That's the beginning and the end of the big competition conversation. You're taking market share or you're not. You're either equal to or closing in on your competitors' revenue, and they are not, and they're not even close. How about that? Impact that WWE's new direction may have on AW. If Tony is con, uh, if Tony Khan is smart, Tony Khan is a con, and I know he's very, very smart, a lot smarter than I am in a lot of ways. No question about that. I don't necessarily think that he's got a creative instinct in his body. I think what he's doing is reliving a childhood memory of ECW and the independent scene and super matches. He's booking, in my opinion, like a 14-year-old would, who has a lot of toys and a lot of things that he could play with. But I'm not seeing a story. We see that the wrestling audience, or the AEW audience in particular, calls a story. But it's not. It's an excuse for having a super match or a dream match. <laughs> if Tony Khan is really smart in his goal to really compete, then he's going to look at what's working in WWE from a storytelling perspective in a format perspective. Oh, what have me and Brother Carter been talking about for the last three years? He's going to wake up one day 
and realized that being a dirt sheet booker and catering to the internet wrestling community is a wonderful thing because your name is on the internet all the time, but it's not going to grow beyond the, the point that it currently exists because you're only serving a small segment of the audience and you're not reaching out to the broader base audience and the more mainstream audience. Not everybody lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes wrestling as the internet wrestling audience does. There's a more, I don't want to say passive, but less committed viewing audience out there. That's very important. Wow. How about a professional? Eric Bischoff reiterating what we've been saying on this show for three years. Mark booking. Dumb formatting. All this buildup for this episode of Dynamite presented by House of Dragons and fucking Game of Thrones bullshit. All the way, your teasing is going to be Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia as the main event. Two out of three falls with Ricky the Dragon Steepmo as the special guest timekeeper. All, all respect to the dragon. Love seeing the dragon. He's the man. But you had this out as the first match of the show and not the main event. Why? Because we gotta bring back the fucking Mark Mark's favorite wrestler, Kenny Olivier, to main event the show. I'll get to that shit in a little bit. But let's talk about this as we continue on here. Brian Danielson against Daniel Garcia in a two out of three falls match with Chris Jericho on commentary. By the way, again, whoever thought Chris Jericho being a color commentator was a good idea is a fucking idiot. Let's start off with that. Secondly, I respect the effort and the hard-hitting aspects of this match with Brian Danson and Daniel Garcia, Garcia, but at the end of the day, this match was way too repetitive for my liking. I have no issue with the match being as long as it was. But again, we have unnecessary color just for the sake of having color, and both the guys were basically doing the same shit to each other. It's different when Suzuki and Ishii are battering each other with forearms, but when the entire match layout is literally multiples of this and multiples of that, you're not let anything breathe. There's nothing that's standing out. Okay, Daniel Garcia made uh, Brian Danielson pass out to the Dragon Sleeper for the first fall, right? Cool. No problem with that. I don't even have a problem with Brian Danielson beating Daniel Garcia. Again, I'm I'm being fair here. These are constructive criticisms as a guy who actually does cover all these shows every single week. Again, this match just was repetitive to the nth degree. All to set up a match of Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson at All Out. I can tell you right now. That I have next to zero interest in seeing that match. The fact that we need to continue to double down and go down this rabbit hole with Chris Jericho every week. is just absolutely mind-numbing to me. But I should not be surprised because look at what we're watching here. And go back to what I said earlier, but earlier about CM Punk and John Moxley. Outside the Punk's portion of the promo and before Moxley came down to the ring, I'm not even interested in that. So think about it. Your first two big matches that you're going to sell to your audience at the pay-per-view is CM Punk and John Moxley and Brian Danson and Chris Jericho. 
By the way, All Out is three weeks from last night. No, not even that. Two weeks. Two and a half weeks until All Out happens. It's the, it's the first week of September, right? Labor Day, right? So, not even two weeks left until All Out. And we barely got half the card announced. And to double down the shitty brawl we had in the opening part of the show, we needed to have another sloppy pull-apart brawl just so we could bring out Claudio Classinoli and Wheeler Utah. Again, and the worst part of everything that happened last night was this. Not even Olivier's return. So, next week, AW Dynamite is in Shitland, Ohio. The pigsty of life. The armpit of America. Everybody says that fucking New Jersey is the, the armpit of the East Coast and the, of America. I'm sorry, no, it's, it's Ohio. Ohio is the biggest dump on the other... On, uh, of all planets, Ohio is the biggest dump in the entire universe. So guess what we're doing? <clears throat> we're giving away the championship unification match on free television in Cleveland. For what? Because CM Punk walked out of WWE in 2014, so we're going to have a title match with John Moxley and CM Punk just to do it for that purpose? Again, who cares about the shit besides Marks? Gun Club runs through Varsity Blondes like nothing and turns on their fire Billy Gun to continue their feud with the acclaim. Whoopity do. Jericho got into a backstage confrontation with Ricky Drag Siegel, which led to him punching Angela Parker. Again, who gives a shit? How about this? How about this being announced as a match at All Out? FTR and Wardlow against Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh. What a JoJo Dutch match is that, man. Jungle Boy also challenged Christian Cage to the show as well for the pay-per-view. Christian denied. Led to a brawl around the ringside area. I don't know. Something was off with this segment. This has been one of the few feuds I've been enjoying on AEW recently. But I think this one was a miss last night. Um, Tony started defeating Kyle King. No problem there. Uh, I thought it was a solid match. So that was fine. Um, I ran over the card for... um, for Rampage on Friday, which is absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, you want to know what the hell is wrong with AEW? Listen to this. And now, he has held, frankly, an unbelievable amount of singles titles. He is a two-time, never-overweight six-man tag team champion and two-time KOD six-man tag team champion. He had the longest reign of 346 days as AEW world champion. He is a Seventy-seven days. He is Kenny 
Oh my god. Why do I do this to myself? Why? Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> oh, man. Mama Mia, man. So, that's right. Kenny Olivier is back. Kenny Olivier and the Unboxy Elite are back. And they defeated Andrade Oli Olio, Roosh, and... <laughs> Dragon Lee. Not only that, we had the return of Don Fallis. We had Brandon Cutlet and Michael Knock It, Knock It the Fuck Off at Ringside. What the hell is going on out there? Every recipe for me to not like this show and this promotion was all in at 25 minutes of that match. First off, never been a fan of the Elite, never will be a fan of the Elite. We had the Dead Courts rep in there. So guess what? It's a trios match. Everybody can do whatever the fuck they want in the ring. And three, Don Callis on commentary. Also, JR... I like to remind you that you're on worldwide television and not recording another episode of Grilling JR with Conrad or P Paul Bromwell. Can you actually pay attention to the show and stop putting yourself over and force feeding your opinions on all of us? We get it. You're grouchy. You're red ass. We get it, bro. Can you call the action in the ring? It's getting freaking ridiculous, man. So. That being said, it's <laughs> just absolutely amazing to me. So, I will like to say again that I, um, this match is, there's really not much to say because it's the same shit we all see. Just nonsense after nonsense, just nonsense after nonsense, spot after spot, spot after spot. Simultaneous tag here, simultaneous tag there. It's just freaking nonsense, man. <laughs> That's really what I can say. And on that note, <laughs> wrapping up the House of Dragon edition of AW Dynamite. Sincerely, for everybody, myself and Burr Carter, we apologize that all of you had to sit through that. And that, my friends, is what the hell's wrong with the AW. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Alright, ladies and germs. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me for this fun edition of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter if you like, at the Hoots Podcast and at Josh Lippis Media on Instagram as well. 
Make sure to support Bernard Carr's work at DerekStoughton.com. Make sure to support my work at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. If you could, please leave us a four or five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, uh, it really helps expand and reach the show. We want to know what you guys like or dislike about the podcast. The podcast comes to you free of charge every single Thursday. Anywhere you get your podcasts from and on YouTube. Make sure to put in the Hoops Podcast on your search engine. It'll direct you right there. Subscribe to our channel. Smash that bell and get all the notifications when new episodes are uploaded. And remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. This has been episode 323 of the Hoots Podcast. I will be appearing on the Heat Pod with uh, referee Tony S. this week to give my thoughts extensively about the G1. So be on the lookout for that. But... We'll be back here to talk about what else crazy this goes on in the world of professional wrestling right here on the Hoots Podcast. This has been episode 323. I'm Josh G. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you all next week. Uh, Yes, sir.